come on. You know, it was a full week for us, and so my wife and I didn't have an opportunity to do a video, and so I told Pastor Smith, I'm going to have a mic, and I'm going to be on the stage, so I get to take a moment to say what I want to say about Pastor Matt and Kim. And again, you guys, these are, we've been friends for almost 25 years and have done a lot of ministry together, a lot of Friday night lights, a lot of summer camps, internships, trips, all these different things. And if there's one thing that I can say about Pastor Matt and Kim, um, is they're just some of the most gracious people. Um, I, there's, this, there's one thing, Pastor Matt and I had many conversations. We have a lot of phone conversations. Um, he, he likes to talk and he likes to process out loud and it's fun for him. And so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad hey, we got on. He's like, he's like, okay, guys, I feel good. I'm like, cool. All right, we're good. What about this though? No, I'm just kidding. But one of the things that Pastor Matt said to me many years ago, he said, Billy he said, I would much, he said, I would much rather be a person known for being too gracious and not gracious enough. And that's a, that's just how they live out their life. That's how they lead this church. That's how they um, have done so many different things. And so Matt and Kim, it's been an honor. We've been through. Gosh, many different things. My, for those of you who know, my wife actually lived with him for a while. They, um, this was before we were married. Let me really clarify, before we were married. She nannied, you know, this was before, before we got married. <laughs> that came out a little wrong. Anyway, uh, a lot of years. I remember, um, you know, again, just all the times. And so they're just uh, not, not only great friends for, for many years, but great pastors. And we are just so honored to be able to do this with you. And again, uh, even my message today, um, as we get into it, really speaks to a lot of what we're seeing today in Church for All and, and just the fruition of what God has done over the last decade and how we've gotten here today. And so, again, we honor you. We want to thank you uh, for who you are and the pastors and friends and all that. And so, um, with that being said, let's give them one more round of, round of applause so I can transition. So we're going we're gonna to kind of jump right into this. Um, you know, uh, I want to talk to you this morning from the thought of In the Waiting, in the waiting. We've been in this series called Next Steps, and in this series, there's two, there's two things we've been praying for. We've been praying for, um, God, what area in my life do I need to take the next step? And then the other prayer we've been praying is, is in that area, what is that next step, God, I need to take? Um, whether it's in our business, whether it's in our family, um, whether it's in, you know, with our kids and the things that they have going on, whatever it is, what is that next step that we need to take? And so that's what we've been praying over these weeks. And um, you know, I've been sitting on this verse for a number of weeks. Actually, there was one week I was supposed to preach a message based off this verse, um, and we had a worship. We ended up having a worship morning, and it just God moved and wrecked everything, and it was awesome because God was moving. And what better, what better opportunity or what better way to learn about waiting for the Lord than to sit here and wait for the Lord and allow God to move instead of hearing somebody speak about it? Well, I got to save it and hang on to it, and so I'm ready to go this morning. Um, but so today we're going to talk about this idea of waiting on the Lord and what that looks like. And so uh, because sometimes some of us, you know, we've been in this series, and some, some of you may be in here and be like, you know what, I, I got it. I took my next step. I know what next step I need to do. Some of us are like, I don't know what to do. Or so I feel like I took my next step years ago, and I don't know what this next step is. And I just feel like that there, there's kind of this middle ground, this area that we sit in, and it's in the waiting. It's in the waiting where we feel like God has told us what to do. We've taken the step. We're doing what we need to do. And we, we understand kind of where we're going. But what we don't see and what we don't fully understand is how we're getting to where God has called us to go. Or how we're getting to where God to do what God has called us to do. Or the thing or the vision and the dream that's in our heart, we don't necessarily see it right away. And sometimes we feel like the path we're on and the trajectory we're on doesn't necessarily take us to that place. 
And so if you guys could today, could you just stand up with me? I'm going to read, we're going to read a verse. I'm going to pray and we're going to look at some scripture together. And so um, we're going to look at uh, Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, in these next few moments, Holy Spirit, I pray you move in this place. God, that you would speak to us. Lord, I love that no matter who we are, no matter what's going on in our lives, that you have the ability to speak to each and every single one of our hearts, our situations, and our circumstances. And God, I pray you do that this morning. God, that as we walk out, that as we leave, God, we would hear from you. We would know, um, we'd have the peace that we need. We'd have the next step that we are supposed to take. We'd have the, the patience while we're in the waiting. God, we would have what we need as we go out today and we go into our week and we enjoy trunk or treat and Halloween and all those fun things. And Father, we just pray fervently for a Seahawks victory against the Giants. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Just say, you guys just say a quick prayer for us. You, know, you pray for Pastor Stu because the Seahawks are probably going to win. But if they're by chance they don't, you can pray for me, um, you know, but it is what it is. But so we're going to take a look at two different, um, let's say two different characters in the Bible, if you will, two different stories. Um, and I want to talk about this idea of in the waiting because I think it's so important. And so the first one is going to be Abraham. And we find the story of Abraham. It begins in Genesis 12. Now, when Abraham is 75 years old, God comes to him and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything. I want you to go to a land I'm going to show you. And I want you to, um, I'm, going to make you, I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham, Abraham is 75 at this point in time. And so he goes off. He goes, his cousin Lot goes with him. And he goes on this journey. And it's interesting because as we read the story of Abraham, we see all the different steps that he takes, all the different things throughout this journey that is, that is shown to us in the Bible. And so a couple of things I wanted to highlight, a couple of things I wanted us to notice as we look at Abraham's life is, um, again, the promise, right? The promise is he's going to be a great nation. God says, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing to others, and I'm going to make you great. Now, mind you, he's 75 years old. He's married. He got no kids or nothing. And in this time and in this culture, a big part of being blessed was to have children to carry that on. And so Abraham, as we go through this, Abraham's at this place. He's like, but God, I don't have any children. Like, the next heir, even if you make me great, my next heir is this servant of mine. And God's like, I'm going to make you great. And so what happens is, is that Abram and his wife, Sarah, they're talking and he's like, God said, I'm going to be great. I don't, we, have, we don't have a son. And so she has this idea. She says, okay, um, you guys, and let me just preface this. Y'all got to read the Bible. If y'all don't read the Bible, it's actually pretty interesting because there's some interesting things that happen. And we're about to get into some interesting things. They're a little wild. They are. And so um, she's like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have you sleep with my maidservant, and then we'll have a son that way, and that's how the promise will happen. Like, what? Hold up, wait a minute. This is like Desperate Housewives. This is like drama. This is like your soap opera. This is all the crazy stuff, right? This is all crazy and weird. And it's interesting because I think if we take a moment and we step back, we can almost put ourselves in Abram and Sarah's shoes. Not that that's a choice and decision that we would make, but we would make a choice and a decision to take what God has told us and try to execute it and make it happen in our own way. And sometimes we do that when we're in the waiting is we try to, we, we like, I know this. 
And so I'm going to do this because this is going to make this happen because this is what God told me. And sometimes we forget the steps we need to take to get there. Or we're not seeking the Lord. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm one of those guilty people. I take, okay, this is what we're going to run and do. And sometimes I move too fast that I miss things. And so here's what happens. Abram sleeps with with a maidservant. She has a son. And now this maidservant, she's like, she's thinking less of Sarah because like, you can't even have kids. And now Sarah's mad. She's like, you need to put this woman out. And, he, and here's Abraham. And most husbands can agree with this. Okay, take, take, take the idea of, of the sleeping with a servant out of, out of the picture. But he's like, he's like, Sarah, this was your idea. You, you do with her as you please. I don't know about you husbands out there, but sometimes my wife will make a decision or something will happen. I'm like, okay, this is what you wanted to do. So we'll do what do we, how do we fix it? Do what you want to do. I'm with you. Whatever you want to do, I, let's do that. I, I agree with you. And so here it is. So he, she puts him out, and he, they have a son. And the, son is, the son's name is Ishmael. And Ishmael is, uh, you know, the son of Abram and his maidservant. And so time goes on, and, um, you know, God shows up. And now, so when Ishmael is born, Abram is 76 years old. Right, so I'm doing a timeline here. 75 from when the promise began. We're halfway, you know, at 70 or 86, trying to make the promise happen in his own time, trying to do what he knows to do. And then when Abram's 99, so another, what, 13, 14 years later, God shows up and says, you're actually, you're gonna have a son. Sarah's gonna bear you a son. And they both don't believe it, right? Because, you know, Sarah's like 90, he's like 99, and like way beyond child give, being able to have a child. And so what happens is they have a child, and Abram's 100 years old. He's 100 years old when he has a son of promise, the one that the, the, that the blessing is going to go through, that this promise that God gave him at 75. And I share this because, um, and there's so much more to the story, you guys. I'm, so I'm doing a, 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 I'm just totally paraphrasing and just hitting little pockets of what happens and what takes place. Um, but the biggest thing I want us to see, there's a 25-year difference in time frame. When God, when God spoke to Abraham about, you're going to be great, and I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and, and, and those you bless will, bless will be blessed. And 25 years later, he actually has a son that that promise can actually be fulfilled and taken out. And driven out. And so I bring this up because I think it's important for us that this time in the waiting, imagine 25 years, you're being told something. You were told this and you have no idea. You can't see how it's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where where things have come up and like, I'm not sure how this is going to happen. I'm not sure how this is going to come to pass. Like, God, you said this, but everything else is going in this direction. And, you know, it's funny, as it's kind of fitting as we're honoring Pastor Matt and Kim today. And when we look at Church for All, and I remember 10 years ago, I remember going uh, with Pastor Jason and, and Pastor Matt and going to get, you know, work on like the Articles of Incorporation. And we were going to do a planted church 10 years ago. And we stopped. Didn't feel like it was the right time. The timing didn't seem to make sense for whatever reason, whatever the variables were, whatever it was. And we didn't do it. But here we are a decade later, and it's this time, it's in the waiting. What do we do in the waiting? In the time when we wait, what do we do in the waiting? The other person I want us to take a look at is I want us to take a look, uh, we're going to take a look at Joseph. And again, I'm going to paraphrase this story. And jo- the story of Joseph begins in Genesis chapter 37. Now, Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham, right? Um, Father Abraham and many sons, many sons. Yeah, so it's Abraham had Isaac, who was the son of promise, and then you have Joseph, right? 
So Joseph, at age 17, has this dream. He has this dream of greatness. He's like, um, you know, he's like, I don't understand this dream. And he's 17 years old. And, and if any of you have worked in youth ministry and you've worked with 17-year-olds and, and those are younger, they think they know it all. And I'm willing to bet all of us that when we were 17, we thought we knew it all too. So they're no different than us. But at 17, he had this, this vision, this dream that um, he was in this field. And, and, and long story short, you can read it. But basically, his, his parents and his brothers were bowing down to him. Now, Joseph was like the youngest brother. He was one of the younger ones. And, and actually, the Bible even says that um, Joseph was Abram's favorite, or not Abram, Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. He was favorited. Now, I don't know how many parents out there have favorites. Um, I have favorites. We have three kids, Mia, Sophie, Adrian. And the same rings true today as it did when they were younger. My favorite is the one that's asleep. <laughs> they ain't hungry. They don't need nothing. They're peaceful. Oh, they look cute. Oh, there's resting. Oh, it's cute. Then they wake up and it's like, oh, gosh. So my favorite is the one that's sleeping. Um, but it says this. And so because of this, like, and this is, parents, this is why we don't have favorites. And if you do, you got to keep that. I mean, don't even tell your spouse because you got to keep that to the chest uh, because all of Joseph's siblings hated him. They despised him for this very reason. And then he has the audacity to have this dream. And then, again, at 17, has this dream of greatness and is like, you're going to bow down to me. Wait, what? And so this didn't help matters at all. And not only that, Joseph made this robe, right? This colorful robe. And it was especially just, it was, or uh, Jacob made this for Joseph. And Joseph had this special robe that his father made him. And, um, and so what happens is, is, long story short, Jacob sends Joseph to go check on his brothers. And Joseph was the type of brother like, okay, here's what's going on. Dad, here's what happened, right? How many of y'all love your youngest kid? Because up until a certain age, they run, they run and tell everything, right? The younger one's like, what happened? And like, this, this, this. And the other's like, why? You know, shut up, stop. You're gonna get us in trouble. Um, so Joseph runs, he, may run and, he runs and tells that. He tells everything, what's, what's going on. And so he goes to check in on his brothers and they're just irritated. He's got his robe on, he's coming. And they're like, they're like, we gotta do something. And so, long story short, they throw this guy into a cistern. They throw him into a pit, right? Then they eventually sell him into slavery. They take his coat. They kill, a, they kill one of their sheep, one of their lambs. They kill it. They put blood on it. And they're like, Dad, we found this. Do you recognize this? <laughs> you guys, the Bible's wild. I don't know if you read this stuff. But it's wild when you read these stories and you understand. And so, Joseph goes from a pit to slavery. And he's in Potiphar's house. Right, he gets sold. He finds himself in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is this, um, but what he basically he's the chief. He's the captain of the palace guard. Like he's pretty high up in Egypt. Has this high position in Egypt, and he gets put. He is put. Basically, Joseph gets put in charge of everything. Basically, while he's there. And here's something that's that's I think important for us to to look at. Another verse for us to to hang on to is Genesis thirty nine two says this. It says and the Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded in everything he did. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded in everything he did. And I think we need to hear that this morning. I think we need to hear that, that no matter where we're at, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what situation and circumstance, whatever's weighing on our hearts, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with me. And if I could be very candid, this has been a crazy, crazy week. Uh, not just busy, not just full, but even just emotionally and all these different things that, you know, just things that life, life throws at us. You ever had one of those weeks? You like wake up and it's like it's been a week. You know, I feel like it's been a, like maybe a month, but it's, it's been a week. It's been a week. Uh, and there's really no other way to say it, but it's been a week. 
Um, and so it's important in those times and those situations to know that God is with you. And the Lord is with you. And it's important to know that because no matter what's going on, and I think it's, a, it's funny because the Bible says this, the Lord is with him and he's been sold into slavery. And while he's in slavery, he works his way up. He's running the household. Potiphar goes on a business trip and here comes Potiphar's wife. And the Bible says this about Joseph. It says he was a well-built man and he was handsome. And I was like, oh, is he talking about me? <laughs> he met Joseph, but it's okay. Anyway, says he's a well-built man. And so what happens is, is Potiphar's, like, or Potiphar's wife is like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? She's, you know, basically she's trying to get to, she's trying to sleep with him. He's like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like your husband's giving me charge of everything. I can't do this. And this goes on for a little bit. And finally, he's doing his job. He's doing what he needs to do. And she comes, she comes out of the woodwork and she's like, all right, we're doing this. And he's like, no, we're not. And he runs and he flees. And she has, a, she has her cloak in his hand. And she starts screaming and says, this man came to do this and he came to do that. And so now Joseph finds himself in prison. He finds himself in prison. Can you imagine that? Like, imagine just, if we take a moment, we stop and we just sit in the story. Like, God, you've given me this vision that there's something great's gonna happen. I had this dream. And since then, I have been beat up by my brothers. They, they sold me into slavery. I thought I was doing okay here. Now I'm in prison. God, what are you doing? God, what is going on? What is happening? And there's many times in our lives I think we ask that same question. We may not have been sold into slavery. We may not have been, we may not find ourselves in prison. But sometimes there's things that go on that are hard. And we're like, God, where are you at? I know I've asked that question. God, where are you? Like, I know the Bible says you never leave me or forsake me, but I'm having a hard time seeing you. And sometimes we, sometimes we have the situation. So he's in prison. And again, Genesis 39, 21. And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph while he was in prison. And so he works his way up there. And again, and have you ever met some of those people? Like, it seems like no matter what they do, they're just good at it. Like, I'm like, that's cool for you. And it seems like that's the story for Joseph, right? And, you know, in Potiphar's house, he made his way up. In prison, he makes his way up. And there's this encounter he has with these two people that are really close to Pharaoh. And they have these dreams, and he interprets these dreams. And basically, one is his cupbearer, and one is his baker. And one's got good news, one, got, one has bad news. Wine bearer, you basically, in the, in the, or the cupbearer, in short, gets basically restored back to his position. The baker, not so good. He gets killed. <laughs> Why? It's just, it, it happens. I don't know. But Joseph interprets the dreams. And Joseph tells the, tells the cupbearer, he says, when you get out of here, remember me. Put in a good word for me. Two years later, it isn't until two years later where Pharaoh has these dreams and no one can interpret them. No one can tell him what they mean until this cupbearer remembers, oh, wait, there was this guy in prison. There was this guy, Joseph. And so Joseph gets his day in front of Pharaoh. Joseph interprets a dream. And not only does he interpret the dream, he tells him, he basically tells Pharaoh, here's what you should do. And Joseph takes no credit for this. Joseph's like, even when it says, I hear you interpret dreams, like, I can't interpret dreams. I just, it's God who interprets dreams, right? And so it just, it gives you kind of an insight and an idea and a little bit behind the heart of Joseph. He's like, yeah, this isn't me. This is, this is what God is doing. And sometimes he gives me the, the ability to, to see these things. So now Joseph is 
brought up into power. He's like the number two guy in, in all of Egypt. Like he can do whatever he wants, right? He has all the power. He has all the things. And he has all the stuff. So from age 17 until he gets to that place in the palace, right? From the pit to, to the prison to the palace, that whole journey is 13 years. It's 13 years. And part of the dream was there were seven, there's gonna be seven years of plenty. And Joseph was like, we're gonna save stuff. We're gonna stock up, we're gonna save stuff. Because after that, there's seven years of famine and we're gonna need it. And so that's what they did. So seven years later, so after the 13 years, seven years later, the dream that Joseph had, 20 years in total, he sees come to pass. His brothers and his family are coming to Egypt because they need food, because they need the grain. And I just wonder, I just wonder, could the thing that God has put in your heart, the thing that God has placed in you, the dream, the vision, the passion, the desire, could it be that in the waiting that there's things that we need to do, things that we need to become in the waiting so that we can live out what God, is, God has for us? And there's something that's similar in both of these stories, and we're gonna close here in a few moments. There's something similar in both these stories that are very similar. The, the promise for Abraham and the dream for Joseph was not for Abraham and it was not for Joseph. Many times we see what the vision that God has had for us and we realize, oh, this is what God has me to do. This is, uh, uh, this is the greatness that I'm going to have. No, 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 no. We are living out the promise today of what was promised to Abraham. This promise of faith, right? We're living that out. The promise to Abraham was not for Abraham, but it was for others. Right? Joseph, the vision of the dream that he had was not for Joseph and him being great. The vision that Joseph had was so that he could have an impact and affect many people. Right? This is how the, the people of God actually enter into Egypt. This is all part of the story of God and how God is moving and coordinating his people. And so I wonder, and I bring these up because we, we see two stories. One that's got about a decade, or not a decade, but 25 years till we see a son of promise. The other one we have about 20 years until we see we go from dream to fruition. And I wonder what that could look like for us. What could that look like for us when we have a dream? Or when we, what, we, what we do in the waiting is so important. What we do in this middle space is so important. How we respond and how we interact. And I want to go back to this verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can I tell you a little something about the book of Isaiah? The book of Isaiah, if you look at it holistically, it's almost like the Bible. And here's what I mean. The Bible has 66 books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. The first 39 books of the, of the Bible are the Old Testament. The other 27, it's all the New Testament, right? The first 39 chapters of Isaiah, as he's prophetically speaking to God's people, is about judgment, it's about what's going on. The second half, the 27 chapters in Isaiah, it's all about the hope and the plans that God has for his people. But here's the thing that we miss sometimes. We like to read verses like in Isaiah 43 where it says, where it says God says, behold, I'm gonna do a new thing. Forget, don't remember the former things, but I'm doing a new thing. Don't you even see it? You guys, he was writing this to a people that still had 100 years to live through difficulty. Not to mention 70 years of captivity. Right? Jeremiah 29, right? We see that on all the graduations. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future, peace and not evil. You guys, that was a promise for after 70 years of captivity. 
And here's what Jeremiah says to the people of God in Jeremiah 29, 7. It's not as famous. It's not the one we put on the graduation cards. But Jeremiah tells the people this, seek the peace of the city. Remember this, the city. The city that they've been brought captive, that they're gonna be brought captive to. Seek the peace of the city for in its peace, you will find your peace. It's amazing what we can do in the waiting. The things that we do and the things that God has put in our heart, it's so much bigger than who we are. It's so much bigger than um, my goals, my dreams, my visions. But it's what God is trying to do. And so I want to share this. There's just a little family stuff, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to bring this and make it hit a little more home and, and a little more um, something we can kind of grab onto. And so I want to show this picture. And so it might be hard to see, but right here we see a, a headstone. Jesus Rosales. So this is my father-in-law whom I've never met. And he passed away when my, my wife was really young. She was like 11 or 12. Um, but we get together a lot as a family. And I love hearing the stories. I love hearing the stories of how he was and, and all the different things. And I don't know if you can see it on there, but Isaiah 40, 31, they will soar on wings like eagles. It was one of his favorite verses. And the picture on the right is an old picture. It's from 2018. I believe it's 2018. It was when Rebecca got married. And we've added a few more kids since then. We, meaning the family, not, not me and Christina. <laughs> we, we done done, okay? Um, but the life that he lived and how he trusted the Lord and how he waited on God led to this. What him and my mother-in-law were able to make happen, and it's just... And we're a part of that. And I share that because I want all of us to think about our lives and the things that we have going on. And that what we're doing is so much bigger than just us. So much bigger than just us. Uh, funny, funny story. Um, my, my daughter, who, uh, my daughter Sophia, my middle, she ran track for her elementary school last year and she was so excited. She said, she goes, she was telling us, she goes, you guys, she goes, Mom, Dad, I'm gonna, I'm putting grandpa's grandpa's name on my on my on the back of my sweater, my track sweater. And she ordered this thing. She did this whole thing on her own, like but but beside us. And um we're not always the most respondent when it comes to like emails. Sometimes things, you know, not not you know, and so we had some emails come through about, you know, order your track shirts, order this, order that. And then we finally called and um, the track coach was like, yeah, we were taking care of it. The PTA paid for it. I'm like, oh, gosh, we're that family. <laughs> and so here in our minds, we're thinking, we're thinking, oh, she put Rosales on the back of her sweater. And her sweater comes in and, nope. <laughs> back of her track sweater says, Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. I'm like, ah. Oh. The pastor's kid has a, the pastor's kid has a sweater that says Jesus on the back. Come on. But I share all this to say it's, it's what we do in the waiting that matters during this time. And so a couple quick things that we can do while we're in the waiting is we put that word wait in Isaiah. It just means this, put your hope, put your trust in the Lord. When we understand, we put our trust in the Lord. When we don't understand, we put our trust in the Lord. That's really what that means. And then the other part of it is, again, as I alluded to this, we serve others. We're, we, we live a life where we want to serve others. Again, if we're going to model after Jesus, Jesus lived his whole life to serve others. 
And you guys, if we find ourselves in seasons where we're waiting and we're in the waiting, we're in good company. Abraham had to wait. Joseph had to wait. And if we really look at it, Jesus waited 30 years because his ministry was from 30 to 33. Amen? Let's pray. Would you stand with me today? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, in these next few moments, um, God, I ask that you would just speak to us. God, that as we go into our week, as we go about the rest of the day, Father, help us to understand what you would have us do in the waiting. Father, for those of us that are struggling to put our trust in the Lord, we're struggling to put our trust in you because we're so consumed by everything we see. And yet there's so much going on that we don't see. There's so much that you're doing. Father, as Paul wrote, we, we see in part and we know in part that there will be a day that comes when we will fully see and fully be seen. And in this, until that day comes, God, I pray you would give us the strength to put our trust in you. Father, open up our eyes and open up our hearts to see those around us. How can we serve them? How can we love them? How can we live a life of serving other people and trusting you that you are gonna take, you're gonna come through for what you have spoken and chosen and said for us? So this morning, I just wanna take a few moments and I just wanna pray for those. If you're, if you're here this morning and you find yourself in a situation and maybe, maybe it's, you're having a hard time trusting God or, and maybe you're just having a hard time seeing how God's gonna, how it's gonna happen, how God's coming through. If that's you this morning, can you lift your hand up? I just wanna pray with you. Thank you, thank you. I see your hands. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, God, help me to see others. Maybe we've been focused in, in so much on our goals and what we want to accomplish and the dream that God's placed in our heart, the word that, that was spoken over us. But I want to focus in on others. Would you lift your hand up? God, open up my eyes, open up my heart. I just want to pray for you this morning. Father, we just thank you. Father, I pray for those this morning, Father, that are having a tough time seeing how you're going to come through or maybe having a tough time putting their trust in you. God, I pray that they would, that you would be there for them. Holy Spirit, that even right now, that you would encourage them. God, that even though we can't see everything, even though we don't know everything that's going on, we trust in you because we know that you care for us. We know that you know everything, that you have everything in your control. Father, this morning we put our trust in you. We trust you more than we trust the situation. We trust you more than we trust the circumstances. That regardless of circumstances, you are greater. Regardless of the situation, God, you are greater. So Father, we thank you. And Jesus, we look to you this morning. We fix our eyes on you. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, as Philippians says, that you're gonna complete the good work. God, I pray that we would all take that this morning, that the work that's going on and taking place inside of us is a good work that you will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. We open up ourselves, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, help us to see others. In Jesus' name, amen.
Right on. Can we give a, another round of applause for Pastor Bill and that awesome message?